from recruiting and consulting firm RiderFlex. I'm your host, Steve Urban, and here is your RiderFlex podcast episode of the day. Fawn Germer on the RiderFlex podcast. Fawn, such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. This is my pleasure. So I want to know all about you personally. I mean, I see the professional stuff, uh, right? We'll get into the books and the motivational speaker and all that, but Give me some, give me some, give me some of that early history, the family stuff and your early career. Go for it. Well, you know, somebody did an interview with me a while back and, and the guy's reading my LinkedIn profile and he goes, oh my God, this is so impressive. And, and I said, you know, when they write my obituary, I want it to say she was a great daughter. She was loved. She loved, she had great friends. She was a passionate sea kayaker. She loved cycling and hiking. She lived at the beach and she was a best-selling author and an investigative reporter and blah, blah, blah. Because I've always felt it's much more important to live in the big life than in the little one. And when we mm. get too bogged down in work, we lose sight of who we are as souls. And I, I learned that young. I started out a workaholic. I rushed through my studies, I think I had my math master's degree when I was 21 and I wasn't that smart. I just overloaded and overloaded and got out and started working at a newspaper in Jacksonville, Florida. And I was working day and night and they had gotten hit by a wage and hour lawsuit. And that was, you know, newspapers notoriously never paid overtime, but that was the one moment in time they said, we need to pay you for every hour you worked. And I happened to be doing a series that very week. So I kept having to go get my time card back and add more hours. And I got up to 83 hours and went into the executive assistant's office and said, Hey, I need my time card back. And she just looked at it and she goes, geez, Fawn, is it even worth it? Right. And that I was 23 years old then. And I, it changed my life forever. For one thing, she became my best friend to this day. Is that right? Day, yeah. But it always made me realize that time was more important than money. And so I always would take comp time instead of the overtime. And then I had really good parents. My mom always told me how important it was to face life. And when she was 66 years old, and I was working at the Rocky Mountain News in Denver, I get a call from my dad. And my mom had had a stroke that paralyzed her. Mm. And I mean, it was a major stroke Mm, mm. and she taught me more about resilience than you could ever imagine because she fought back through that rehab and she could walk a little, Mm. she got her driver's license. Then she fell and broke her hip and had to start all over again. And every time she got knocked out, she'd fight back every single time until she spent most of the last 20 years of her life in a wheelchair and the last 10, she had Alzheimer's, but adapted so well to everything found joy no matter what and i i mean that was my hero certainly had more grace than i could ever have but i learned because of how her stroke hit i had seen her the week before and how quickly everything changed forever i realized we don't get a do-over and so as important as my career is, and it's really important to me, I work hard, I love my work, but it is not who I am. Who I am is somebody who is having a great life, who every day tries to find something 
magnificent so that I'm happy every day. And, you know, I got a new book coming out. And so the work coming at me right now is huge. I could, I could work 24 hours a day and still not be done. But I'm going to make sure that every day I do something that makes me laugh, that makes me have a great experience and realize that I've, I've had a day today that is not like tomorrow or like yesterday. And so I don't get into ruts. And a lot of that is because I learned that from my parents through their resilience facing obstacles. Mm. What'd your mom and dad do for a living when they were mm. younger? My mom was a teacher. And okay. when she had us, she stopped teaching she then she backed my dad up in his business he was a pharmacist who owns a drugstore oh, my mom okay. was the smartest woman i ever met absolutely sure. one of the smartest people i ever met i don't always say that low by gender i think because had times been different for my mom she definitely could have been a u.s senator really but, oh she's that smart i mean figure wow. my my early books were on women's leadership and i've talked to all these great trailblazing women and she was smarter than all of them. She just was. Is that right? Is so that, right? that she, she taught me yeah. I could do anything. Uh, did you have brothers and sisters? It sounds like you did. Yeah, I have an older brother. And he, older. yeah, he, we had a tempestuous relationship and then finally figured out who we were. And it's a wonderful thing when you stop fighting. And I always tell mm -hmm. people don't, you know, if you can avoid arguing with your loved ones, yeah, they're different from you. You don't choose them. But to have a brother that I'm so close to now that both of my parents are gone is a gift. But then also having that going through the COVID challenges mm -hmm. because I've got family. And so mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. a great thing. Yeah. So he lives about an hour and a half from me, but we see each other regularly. Great tip on family, by the way, especially with the holidays. And we're recording this on December 22nd. It is true, right? I've learned that I've, as I've gotten older to just really just accept the family members for who they are. Stop trying to change them. Stop, stop being irritated because they're not like me. Right. And just, just, just love them. It's, it's going to be fine. It's like, don't you get it? It's like, yeah. And then, you know, politically he and I were like that, but fortunately he came to his senses this last time and I'm not offending any of your viewers. So I'm not going to say, but he did come to the right side. Gotcha. In my mind. So that, that makes it a lot easier to talk. How did you um, decide? I mean, you majored in communications. So, and then journal, journalism for your MBA. So you, did you know you wanted to be a reporter early on? Was that the goal? Oh, I mean, that was the only thing I ever wanted. Oh, okay. okay. I mean, when I was in okay. elementary school, I knew I was going to be a reporter. Okay. What I didn't know was that it wasn't going to be the only career. And mm. there came a point when I was in Denver, you know, I, I had a real jerk boss. I call him the boss hole and okay. <laughs> they weren't going to make me a columnist and, and, I wanted more. And he said, you'll never get any more than you've got now. You'll never be more than a reporter. You know, one of those legendary stories. And, wow. and, but I knew there was something else because a lot of stories were trying to work cycling through again, even though they were all different and every story is different and the people are different. It felt like I had done them and I didn't know what was going to be next. And you know, that jerk boss, he got in my way. And finally, I packed up my talent and went into management at the paper in Tampa, Florida, was okay. close to my parents, and had trouble as a manager, a strong woman who had never had any training for leading people. And I needed a book telling me how to be effective in a male dominated environment. And there wasn't mm -hmm. one. 
And somebody said, well, you got to write that. And I, I'm like, I'm not writing something I don't know anything about. But I ended up interviewing all these great women and, and, and doing, getting their mentoring wisdom. Well, I had this great plan. I was, I quit my job to write the book and I was going to do the interviews and, and sell it high six figures, maybe seven. Um, <laughs> and, you know, this big bidding war and, and then, you know, Oprah was going to find it and fly me up to Chicago and we would be best friends and she'd have me for dinner at the condo with her and Stedman and Gail. But I did not expect that it was going to get read, rejected everywhere. Mm. And I had um, given everything up to write this book. Oh, did you quit your job to write the book? I, I did. I did because Ooh. all these people Ooh. said, you have to take a risk. And I didn't have I time see. to do the book. It was just <sighs> killing me. And I saved money, but I just didn't expect that it was going to get so roundly rejected. Wow. And I just kept taking the next step and the next step. And that's a lesson I always teach when I'm keynoting is that you don't know how close you are to turning the corner until you turn the corner. So just take the next step. And, and the universe gives you every bit of information you could ever need. It, it tells you everything you need to know. And as I was getting rejected, a friend of mine who was also, she was a Rocky Mountain News and a Denver Post reporter, Carrie Smith, Okay. said, you know, you ought to think about being a professional speaker. And I said, you can get paid doing that. <laughs> right? And she was, yeah. And I looked into it and found out, yeah, you could get paid doing it and paid really well. And so I started going to Toastmasters and learning that business. And then I got okay. my book sold. And, and then it came out the day before 9-11, that first book. It's uh, my ninth book's coming out. But that first one, day before 9-11. Is that hard one wisdom? wisdom? Yeah. Okay. So it gets rejected everywhere. And then suddenly it comes out the day before 9-11. They cancel my tour. I have to fight, fight, fight. And I did that by just getting in the car and going all over the country and mooching off of all of my friends and getting media where I could get it. And my friends made it a bestseller. I wrote 29 letters to Oprah. It became an Oprah book. And then everything took off. It was now, just Now, let, let me pause right there for the listeners. Took the risk, quit her job wrote a book, oh, got, yeah. reject, got rejected everywhere. Then 9-11 hit, couldn't get the, the speaking engagements, but just kept fighting, 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 fighting. And by the way, 29 letters to Oprah to try to get her to recognize the book. I mean, that's just uh, tenacity. It shows well, that you just, you just can't give up, right? You just got to keep going. Right. And these stories really aren't about me. It's about everybody else. And so let's, let's fast forward two decades. I'm a professional speaker my money is out there. Now imagine during COVID, every single convention and conference cancels and they all canceled the same week. And right. I'm watching uh, what was going to be a really good year ago. Right. Right? It's like, and I remember I was standing in my kitchen and I started to laugh. I, I laughed heartily and happily. And I said, I've been here before. Mm. I can do this. Because of what happened at 9-11 when everyone had given up, I learned your greatest opportunity to succeed always occurs in a moment when everyone else is giving up. And my ninth book is called, now think about it in terms of where we are as a country and what we're facing, coming back, how to win the job you want when, when you've lost the job you need. Perfect. Perfect title. Perfect. Right. And it's like when perfect timing. And it's actually, you know, the book looks a lot more than getting a job. It's on how to, if you're getting shoved aside or being 
ignored at work, how to revive your career, but they gave it this title on how to get hired. And I'm like, I'm not going to argue on that because that's pretty good for right now. And so I knew when I'm laughing in the kitchen, I've been here before. I fought through these obstacles. We are defined by what happens when we have an obstacle. Mm-hmm. That's, oh, that's our greatest moment to succeed. But what I learned with hard one wisdom is you just have to learn to identify an obstacle and say, oh, that's an obstacle. What am I going to do? And then you get past it. And the other thing is, if you think your career is going to do this, you know, just keep going up and up and up and up, you're deluding yourself. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's career is a straight shot. Right. To the top. No. I've, I've no. had a lot of success in my life. And in between a success, there'll be a drop and then I have to fight back. And then, and I'm telling you, it is in those low moments that you find out if you are good at what you do or not. We are constantly fighting for the right to do the work that we love. And so particularly if, as a self-employed person, every day I say to myself, self-employment is a privilege that must be earned. And so in a moment like this, when people are frustrated and some are panicking because it's been a long time, those people who give into that are the ones that create enormous opportunity to the people who don't. Right. Yeah. It's like the, all of the gold is right there for those of us who just hang in there and say, wait a minute, if 50% of the people are going to suffer and lose their careers and never be hired again, which isn't true, but let's just say that's what it is. If, if half of them are going to be miserable, I'm just going to go and be in with the other half. That's right. <laughs> and when like 2008 is a really good example, because when the recession started, I knew that companies that were laying off tens of thousands of people probably weren't going to have lavish events where they're paying speakers and spending tons of money on that. I thought, boy, I bet this industry is going to take a real hit. I bet they'll lose at least 30% of the conferences, maybe more. And I thought, so what am I going to do to get the other 70%? And I, I, I was having that conversation in my head on an airplane and I just opened up a file in my laptop and I started writing a book that in nine weeks I had this thing come out and it was called Finding the Up in the Downturn. Now imagine, so you're a speaker that's going to teach people how to be successful in the midst of adversity like that. And I wrote that book as a paperback. It sold a lot of copies, but it really was meant as a press kit because Ah. if there were going to be speaking events, and somebody saw that I've got this book on resilience in this tough moment. My business, I think it doubled that year because that right? I, was, I was the first one out with that. And I just, I said, you know, I'm not giving up because right, I right. know in moments when others are giving up, there's this huge opportunity for me to bounce back and succeed. And I'm going so to true. see that. Yeah, I'm going to take it. It's so true. It's so true. Yeah, you're you're right. People that just kind of put their head in the sand and oh my oh my gosh, meteors are hitting the earth. It's terrible. Blah blah blah. Yeah, you you can do that. Uh, Then there's people like Fawn, people like me, and and others listening to this show. We just keep going. We're just keep we just keep moving forward. (laughs) And and when you get used to that, and and instead of expecting bad, you just expect you'll find a way. You find a way. Yeah. And you know, I have notoriously bad feet. I don't know how I got up with the, you know, my feet are always hurting, but I'm somebody who loves to go and walk and hike long distances. Mm. So 
you know, if I'm going to do a 10 mile beach hike, the last two are going to be really ugly. Mm -hmm. They're going to hurt. Yeah. But I know that if I take left foot, right foot, left foot, and I just keep taking the next step, I get there. And that's what happens with our careers is you just take the next step. And when, when you, you know, get a moment of clarity, write down a list of 10 steps you can take to get further and just take the next step because there's always something else you can do. And sooner or later you get where you need to go. That's right. And just remember, you know, I think some people they're battling things, right? Whatever it might be, they're taking care of a parent, they have some sort of physical ailment, they, whatever it is, everybody's got an obstacle of some kind. And I think what's important for people to remember, especially as they get a little bit older in the career, like everybody's battling something. I actually had that thought this morning. I was on the treadmill trying to do my morning walk and my arthritis, my back is killing me. You're too you know. young for that, dude. I know, right? <laughs> and, and I'm kind of having one of those 30 minute sessions where you're kind of feeling sorry for yourself. Like, oh gosh, if I have arthritis at 53, what's going to happen when I'm 73? You know, you're having one of these moments. And then I just kind of reminded myself everybody's battling something. So, so if you're listening to this podcast and you're kind of like feeling sorry for yourself and you're like, well, I got this, or, well, I got that, or I got this facing me, everybody's got something facing them of some kind. And so it's just so important to just keep moving forward and battling through it because as life moves along, you're going to have hurdles of all kinds. Uh, Like you said, nobody's got it easy. Nobody's got the perfect little career. Nobody's got the perfect family life. Everybody's battling something, jumping over hurdles constantly. Well, and and that's the lesson my mom gave me. If you think about it, here's this woman in a wheelchair, fights so hard and finally can walk, falls down, breaks her hip, right? Has to have the same physical therapists, again, starting from square one, but fights back, does it again. Six months later, falls, breaks the other hip. At that point, you know, there's a lot of rehab, but that your only goal is to get her to stand because she's not, there's not enough strength because of the stroke for that to walk again. And I said, you just keep getting up. And she said to me, it doesn't matter what happens to you. It matters what you do with it. That's right. And honestly, I I would see, because my mom had a rough 20 years and I'd see people my age, going out for lunch with their, their moms and shopping and, and maybe having a good time and appreciating that, but probably not understanding what I understood seeing it, like just how sacred that kind of a connection and opportunity is. Mm-hmm. And then I thought about what I had with having a, a mom who was ill for that much time and couldn't do most of those things. And then particularly with Alzheimer's, you know, when they can't, mm-hmm. you, know, you get to a point where you can't communicate Mm-hmm. All you've got is love. And I think we had the most intimate mother-daughter relationship over that 20 years that you could have. Wow. Because there weren't these other things to get distracted by. It's just about love. So it wasn't a nightmare. It was a strange gift. Mm. Does the Alzheimer's thing, does it scare you now? Do you worry about it for yourself? I don't know. Oh my that, God. Yeah. yeah, because I don't have her grace. And if I forget where my keys are, it's like, oh, my God, is it starting now? Right. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I mean, mm. I, I just 
hope somebody kills me before it gets to that point. <laughs> yeah but it's so important you know with the stroke that she had it's just a good reminder just enjoy every day every day yeah. every day is a blessing every day is a blessing because you just never know well you just and never the, know i learned one thing through that that's really helpful to people who may be listening to this too and it's a coping strategy because when she mm. had alzheimer's you know it's not going to get better right so you know that you're on a downward slide and in that process, I learned that the faster that I learned to accept, cope, and adapt, mm -hmm. the faster I could be happy with what I had instead of being upset about what I had lost. So it was always my job, accept, cope, and adapt. And so when the COVID stuff started happening, I, I posted a video, accept, cope, adapt. Love it. Because the faster you do that, the faster you get on with your life. And I know right. people who nine months into this have not even accepted it. I mean, we see that constantly, don't we? And isn't that ridiculous? This yeah. has either brought out the best in people or the worst. And I think it comes down to, to our ability to deal with things. So mm -hmm. when you're having trouble, remind yourself, accept, cope, mm. adapt. I love it. Um, before we talk about the book a little bit more, tell me about the speaking engagements. Are you starting to book now for 2021? Are they? Everything is virtual and then they're talking about events, but those contracts aren't in yet. So I think that they're like one foot in, one foot out and they're trying to figure it out. So, okay. you know, and, and you're going to see a very different industry because mm -hmm. a lot of companies have seen they can do events online cheaper mm -hmm. and it's, nice to sit here with a nice camera too right it's okay it's okay it's like, okay it's okay i still like i still like being around people i just did a podcast release the other day i did a kind of a an episode where i said hey the mask debate the covid debate are you for or against do you believe and i believe all that like just put all that aside for a minute like i don't you know i don't care what your side is i don't care what your beliefs are but boy I just kind of miss people. <laughs> I kind of miss being around people. I miss people. the energy of an audience. Yes. And then that, yes. that whoosh after where everybody wants you to sign their books and, yeah. and, you know, they all come up and I miss people. I want hugs and all of that. But right. I know that's coming. Yeah, and, I think so too. And, so. and the other thing, this is another bit of wisdom that I will share, but I have to find out, um, am I able to say a four letter word on your podcast? Yeah, sure. We do it all the time. <laughs> all right. This is my core philosophy when you hit, tough times. Every shitstorm ends. Right. Every shitstorm ends. You don't understand that when you're in your 20s. And in your 30s, you really haven't realized it. But by the time you hit 40, you start to see that this too shall pass. Well, this will end. We'll get beyond it's true. it. It's yeah. so true. It's, I, it's so true. It's so true. I but, can't wait for it. I can't wait for it. I was just telling my friend the other day, I'm like, man, I miss seeing you at happy hour. Like I'd be, I'm glad we can go do that again. <laughs> or, or when you see people on TV, it's like, you're, you're standing too close together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I want to be able to not think about that at yeah, some point, hopefully, but uh, okay. So, so you're getting some virtual stuff booked and then the yeah. other, okay. And I've okay. done that this year. Okay. And then, all right. So talk to us about this latest book then. Um, okay. How do, so, how do, how to win the job you want when you just lost the job you need coming right. back? Yeah. Talk to me about it. Go for it. So there are two kinds of comebacks. One, when you're, you've lost your job and one, when you're on a downward slide, many people don't even know that, that careers sputter out. If you're not constantly adding to your skills base because your skills are dying, companies are looking for ways that machines can do what you're doing. If you're not ahead of the 
trends in your industry, you're on your way out. You can't hunker down, keep your head low, right? People think they can, that they'll make it to the finish line. They won't. It's that you have to constantly be ahead of it. If you have the highest salary in the room, which better employees tend to, then you had better be able to deliver a heck of a lot more than somebody who's a fresh graduate who is right up on the latest technology. Great because point. if you can't, you're going to be unemployed. Great so point. if you are employed and you are rusty on skills, you go to these places in my book I talk about where you can get the skills you need. It's not going to kill you. It's not that hard, but you have got to not only get current, you have to be ready for the next five years because they don't care if you're the best person for the job today. It's five years from now. And then if you're unemployed, which I look at that very hard, you have to find a different way of marketing yourself when you're out there, especially if you're over 40 or if you've had an extended timeout, say you had a baby and stayed home for a couple of years or did extensive travel or took care of a relative. Well, finding your way back in means that you market yourself in a very different way because you've got to beat the algorithm that weeds you out. So that's some real tough networking. And the whole book is pretty much tough love. It's, it's inspiring. It's motivational, but it's like, okay, get with it now. You, right. can't, you can't get by by denying that you're going to have to learn all of this social media. And then, you know, we delude ourselves. Like, yeah, I'm tech savvy. Well, if you're not as tech savvy as a 23 year old, You've got some work to do because if That's you're right. making more, unless you have really great leadership skills and you're in a country, company that rewards and respects that, you're going to have a problem. You've mm -hmm. got to learn this stuff. And by the way, if you're in your 50s and you had like some big accomplishments in like 1994, nobody cares. <laughs> oh, I have a whole chap chapter called The Death of Experience. Nobody wants you hear, to hear you bragging that you've done something a hundred times or, you know, that you've been there, done that. The right. best quote in the book is from this guy, Zach Friedman, and he is an innovator for Nationwide. And he says, if you have 20 years of irrelevant experience or 30 years and you're up against somebody who has two years, a millennial who has two years of relevant experience, the millennial is the expert. Mm. And that's truth. If, if, if you yep. are not relevant for right now and in the next five years, that's right. That's right. they don't care. They're not loyal to you because you did something before. They're not going to bow down because you know a lot about what was. The world changed. It got less friendly in that regards. And so it's on us. Now, the good thing is there are so many learning resources that help us so that we can get the information we know, we need to know. And blockchain, that's a great example because I had such trouble learning about how that one bit of data travels and, and it's, it's the basis of Bitcoin, but it's used in supply chain. And, and, and I kept trying to read up what it was and I didn't understand it. Okay. I tried so many ways to learn it, didn't get it. And then I saw a YouTube video on how to teach blockchain to a six-year-old. Watched it and I was like, oh, I get it. So then I could do the next thing. And you don't have to always be an expert in everything, but you need to know what these things are. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. I totally agree. It. Totally agree. You know, one of the things as a recruiting firm here at RiderFlex, one of the things that is so disappointing and frustrating for me as the CEO of the company is when I visit with a 50 plus year old executive of some kind, like they were a VP or whatever, and they just the last five, six, seven, 10 years, 
They haven't done anything to, to network. They haven't worked on their LinkedIn profile. They don't go to any networking events. They haven't learned anything new. They haven't added any experiences onto their profile. And they just think they can set back and rest on what they did when they were 38 years old. And that just is going to guarantee them a job. And I, I see it all the time. Somebody will, they'll email me and they'll say, oh my gosh, I, I just lost my job. I'm 54. And can you please help me? Meanwhile, they have like 38 connections on LinkedIn and they haven't been active in eight years and they've done nothing for networking over the last, you know, you know, 10 years or so. And I, I just think to myself, you did this to yourself. You, you, you right. have to, you have to work on your profile and, and marketing and networking and learning and gaining new experiences all the time. Like you have Absolutely. to work on it all the time. But if you didn't do it, you can get caught up. That's you can the bigger get caught thing. Up. It's, it's like you absolutely can. And the first step is, of course, buying my book, coming back. But um, <laughs> no, you can get caught up. You just have to make up your mind and then give yourself a few months of very intensive study and then just constantly add yes. a little something and add a little something. And do you, the, yes. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, sorry. Do, you, do you spend um, when, when in the book, do you spend, how much time do you spend on the networking versus the learning? Um, is it split about half and half? And then the other thing I wanted you to touch on, I guess, two part question is, um, talk about the, Hey, your next job should be what you really want to do. Stop taking a job just to pay the bills. Yeah. So talk, talk about both. Go ahead. Okay. Well, you know, networking versus learning, they're, they're equally important. And what I did with this book, because as a former journalist, I don't Google my, my ideas. I interviewed more than 300 people. So this was Fortune 500 CEOs, gotcha. senior executives, um, workplace consultants, experts, recruiters, um, academics, and then good, good, tons good. of professionals. I talked to so many people on this. The networking is the most important thing ever, but it's so much easier to do that now because you have access to people through LinkedIn and through Facebook and social media. Mm -hmm. So you get access, your friends know people who you need to know. So that's the one thing. But the other thing is because we can web conference now, it is so easy to network because everybody's got a little bit of time. Nobody's doing anything. So you make the ask. And the biggest part of networking is to make sure that you know the person as a human being instead of their job title, because people will do things for their friends. Mm. And, and the other thing is when you need help, ask specifically for what you need. Mm. You know, don't just say, hey, can you show my resume to so-and-so? It's like, can you ask Steve Urban to, to see me? I need to talk to him this week because that opening is going to be filled soon. So I need to see him one day this week. Can you do it and get people to leverage their clout to help you? And so that's it, you know, and then the upskilling is just, that's a constant, you must upskill, but it's easy. I took a class in innovation not long ago from MIT for free at edX.org. You can take classes in artificial intelligence and in leadership in the workplace of the future and, and just about anything from Harvard and Yale and Berkeley and Oxford and all these cl- classes are offered for free on these Coursera and edX. And you take the classes and you don't have to get an A in the class. You need the learning. You don't, That's right. you have That's your right. degree. 
So just get the learning so that you can say, yeah, I was taking this. Um, does, does that make me sound good? And I, you know, I did a, not long ago, I did a leadership course at Penn on, you know, leadership in a virtual environment. And mm. that makes it sound like I am so smart, right? Right, right. <laughs> but I, I am not bucking for an A. I just want to get the information. Ooh, good advice. So that I am smart. So we're living in living in unprecedented times when you can go online and get all kinds of free education that never was available at any other point in the history of mankind. I mean, yeah. seriously, you should take advantage of it. I heard you not to get on, not to go down a rabbit hole of whether or not you should go to college or not, but I heard Elon Musk the other day being quoted saying, yeah, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure you have to go to college to learn because you can learn it all free online. Uh, you might want to go to college to grow up and get the people skills and everything else. Anyway, not to go down that rabbit hole, but the point is there's all kinds of free education online. Yeah. Um, what about, what about the, talk to me about this concept of moving from a job that you need just to pay the bills. Cause you, you're stuck in a mortgage. You think you got to have uh, versus something you really want to do. Well, let's be realistic right now. There are people who are going to need to get money to pay their mortgage. Mm-hmm. And I have a friend who started a job yesterday. It is not the right job. Gotcha. I know it's not the right job. She knows it's not the right job. I yep. said, you need it for one year. Mm-hmm. You need to get that on your resume and then figure out as you're there where you're going next. Because right, right. now you may need a placeholder job. Mm-hmm. But while you're doing that, you figure out, are you at a point in your career where you can chase your passion? What, what do you need to do? And you work with a lot of entrepreneurs. And if you're having trouble getting hired, you can make you know, one of, one of these great portfolio jobs where you're doing a little over here freelance mm-hmm. on this mm-hmm. and a little of this and a little something else. You, you figure out what you want to do and to create your opportunities. So I think we still can and must have work that's not work. I feel like I've never really worked, even though I've spent a lot of hours doing my work because it's fun and it's passion. And so that's a joy and we all deserve that, but we don't always have the opportunity to get that immediately, especially in a job environment right now with so many people unemployed, you may need to just get something until you can get to the right thing. And the, the bigger thing is to be strong enough to say, this isn't right. And then constantly stay on that path toward getting the right thing. Agreed. Yep. Totally. I'm all for taking a job that you need until you get the job that you want for sure. Right. Yeah, don't, don't, don't just sit at home and feel sorry for yourself and wait for the perfect job and then get six months behind on your mortgage. There's no reason right. to do that. You know, yeah. there's no reason to do that. So, okay. So now the book launches what January 12th, January 12th pre-order now free order now no, not we'll- free order. Nothing's free pre-order Pre, yeah yeah pre-order did i say free pre-order pre-order your your copy and you can go to amazon to do that and i mean and other all your favorite bookstores have it for pre-order okay okay very good and did you do an audio version it's coming i you know i did the intro and the conclusion i'm an audiobook fan i know you have to have the right actor reading that book and i so i said i'll read the beginning and the end because I'm a speaker. You can tell that I love to talk, yeah, yeah. but I'm not a reader. So audio is coming out at the same time. Did you uh, get to interview the uh, the voice actor? Did you get to select or did the- I got to select. Okay. I, well, I got to tell you. So there's a, 
Well, I'm not going to say this word, but I'll, I'll get to the point. So there's this point early on where I say that the person who's going to get beyond the adversity is the person who says, no, I'll say it. It's the person who says, fuck this. I'm <laughs> not done. Got it. Love it. And, and so when I had to pick the actor, I just went straight to the word fuck because I knew that if it had to be the person had to get that because that's the core of the book. It's like, we're not done. Ooh, I like that. Have that little bit of anger to say, I'm going to fight back. So I, I got to that point. I went to that. I heard the one who said it just like I would have said it. So I'm like, that's the one. That's the one. Oh, I that's love the it. one. I, I can't wait. I'll definitely, that'll be, that'll be a treadmill audio book for me for sure. <laughs> Good. Uh, so the audio version won't be out on the 12th or it will be, or that's coming out later. Well, How does know, that work? I thought it is. I don't, you know, honestly, I may have lied. I'm not sure when it's coming out. It is coming okay. out. I know okay. that I've done my bit. I think they're up on everything. I just don't know when the release is. I'll ask. Okay. How to win the job you want when you've lost the job you need coming back by Fawn Germer and launches on January 12th. You can find it anywhere that you, all your favorite book locations, right? Amazon and everywhere else. Very good. And what if they, uh, what, the listeners can also follow you on LinkedIn and uh, anything else that you want to mention? Is LinkedIn, there other Facebook, I would come to fawngermer.com. And if you know anybody who needs a speaker, you know, I'm looking for that. But awesome. uh, yeah, uh, it's follow me and contact me. I love hearing from people. I love hearing from people. It's so easy to track me down. So let me hear what's going on in your life because- mm I'm always good for a little bit of free advice. I love your energy. Congratulations on everything you've accomplished oh, thanks, on really awesome career. And thank you for being on the Rider Flex podcast. It was fun. If you think today's tip or guest interview can help someone, you know, please share this with them. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our channel and hit the like button. The Rider Flex podcast features entrepreneurs, business executives, and the stories behind how they got there, as well as daily tips on career advice and job interviewing. You can visit riderflex.com to learn more about us and get information and pricing on the recruiting and consulting services we provide. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.